0: I'm here with Alicia Shaw, who is the founder of Food Without Borders. First off, could you tell me what Food Without Borders is?
1: Hi, um, thank you for having me on your show today. Sorry? Yeah, so Food Without Borders is a social enterprise um, that aims to empower refugee women to use their skills for employment. So we're a catering company um, and we also put on our own events sometimes and we would like to develop our own training offer as well. But that's something we're working on.
0: Okay. So what started you off in this direction?
1: So it actually started a couple of years ago. Um, More than, sorry, about three years ago now. Um, I worked for a refugee organisation. Some people in Bristol might have heard of them. They're called Ashley Community Housing. And through that role, I worked quite a lot um, one-to-one with people from refugee backgrounds. Um, Also, many of my colleagues were from refugee backgrounds. And I got the opportunity to experience working in quite a culturally diverse environment. Um, And I personally really benefited from that. Um, And then I also uh, provided sort of one-to-one careers advice and support to people. Um, And I think that's when I realised that there's so many people out there who have so many skills that are being underutilised for work. So um, I spoke to a couple of women who were interested in starting their own food business, and I was really interested to know what was kind of preventing them from doing that. Obviously, there were some um, barriers, like language barriers and confidence, and being new to a city and not really knowing where to access support and where to start and things like that. Um, so I started... Um, volunteering at a charity called Refugee Women of Bristol Um, and I actually helped out in their kitchen a little bit so I was kind of learning how to cook like new meals from you know different um, countries around the world. Well they were
0: teaching you to make the food from their home countries?
1: Yeah I was mainly just on kind of salad shopping duty at this point but um, (laughs) I was picking up uh, recipes and tips and kind of you know I was quite energized by Um, seeing how things all came together in the kitchen. Um, And also, every single week at this charity, there were about uh, 100 women gathering, um, and everyone would have lunch together. So I was just, like, really taken aback about how chilled out um, the women in the kitchen were about, like, cooking for this many people. And I thought, for me, that would be quite daunting and, like, quite a big deal. But people were just doing it every week with with ease, you know, and on a budget um, and all of this. And anyway, I, I just thought, um, you know, people should be able to use those skills for work if they want to. So through working with a small group of women um, that I'd met there, I kind of started uh, testing out the waters for Food Without Borders. And um, we started by selling um, like homemade sweets at markets and things. And then kind of like it kind of just rolled on from there. So our own event that we've put on, our biggest one would be in um, June last year. So it was part of Bristol Food Connections. And we held a free meal at Barton Hill Settlement, um, which was just packed out. It was amazing. It was absolutely incredible. It was over Ramadan, so we ate after sunset. Um, and yeah, it was, it was amazing. We had like maybe about 200 people there joining together to eat free food. Um, and recently, we catered for an event at Bristol University, and we had to uh, cater for about 260 people there, which to date was probably our biggest catering event. And um, it was busy, but it was a lot of fun, yeah. <laughs> cool.
0: So, how do you get someone involved with this?
1: I work with another woman called Nijat, um, who is just really involved in the community. Um she's I I mean I've been in Bristol for about 20 years now and Najat's been in Bristol for a similar amount of, amount of time. Um she used to be she used to work for Refugee Women of Bristol and she just she's just one of those people that knows everyone. And so she often uses those sort of connections um to reach out to people. Um but we sometimes make sort of unexpected connections as well. So for example when we did um, some, some things for a refugee festival last summer we um, had some volunteers getting involved that we'd never met before and then we kind of if people have enjoyed it we kind of tell them about what we're doing and see if they want to be involved in the future. Um, but at the moment you know because we're still relatively small I suppose we try to work with a few women at one time rather than casting our net too wide and not being able to offer anything that's particularly valuable I don't tend to ask people specific questions about um, their life before the UK because I suppose I feel like that might that will come out naturally with time if people want to talk about it Um, but you know people are quite open talking about their home countries because most people um have quite a lot of... I think, you know, all over the world, people have pride in their own culture. And, um, yeah, so I've worked with um, some women from Sudan. Um, and just to give, like, a sort of broad context, I suppose, um, there, there have been refugees, um, you know, moving out of Sudan for quite some time now um, due to conflict and... Some people, um, when they arrive in the UK, some people have quite little English. Um, Not everyone, obviously, but, yeah, sometimes people arrive here because they're fleeing war or persecution and it's just, it hasn't been safe for them to live in their home country anymore. Um, By the time that they've reached the UK, they've already, obviously, travelled extremely far and, actually, in the grand scheme of things globally very, very, very few refugees and asylum seekers actually arrive in the UK. Um, so if you look at global statistics, um, I think the biggest refugee camp in the world is in Uganda. Um, and when you compare us to the rest of Europe as well, the num- numbers of people coming here are actually quite small. Mm. Um, which I guess in that that presents its own challenges to people because they might be moving to a part of the UK where there aren't many people from their country or from their culture. So integration um, can be quite a challenge. It's not just the language, but I suppose there's so many things that are different, you know, a different way of navigating the job market, um, different culture, different food, different attitudes towards lots of things that can make it quite isolating. Um, So Food Without Borders is essentially trying to... um, help people build their confidence for work and to feel like you know I have skills that and I'm able to apply them for work Um, but it's also about I suppose I kind of what I felt like I was bringing was um, just some local knowledge because I've lived like I say I've, I've lived in Bristol most of my life so it's about kind of connecting people to opportunities as well so it's about helping people to feel part of the city and to feel like they can go to different areas in the city, you know, like we might cater for something in Eastern and then Barton Hill and then, you know, Clifton and the university. And we go into all these spaces um, that even I don't go into very often. So it's about helping people feel like um, they belong and that um, they can access like new networks and um, all of that.
0: Yeah, I think when refugees are often greeted with a lot of animosity, I think it must be really nice for them to have escaped something so horrible and then be welcomed with open arms by projects and community things and somewhere where they can actually feel safe. I mm. think that's it's really great what you're doing. I think that's mm. um, uh, a really exciting project. Um, and I was just wondering what you what you what you want to do with Food Without Borders in the future.
1: Well, we for a while now we've been wondering about um, developing our own sort of training offer. So. When I started Food Without Borders, I always had a vision that we would offer traineeships or internships where people could um, get experience in the different elements of a food business. So, you know, not just catering or not just chefing, but um, people had the opportunity to um, get experience in marketing or finance or business management, um, customer service and all of the elements that are important if you're then going to go on to run your own business. Um, and to also have the opportunity to improve their English skills, especially in, like, a customer service sort of setting. So, yeah, I suppose um, the idea of a sort of internship where people can then go on to um, more long-term employment with um, other businesses is something that we still have in mind. Um, But at the moment, we're also exploring... um, another potential exciting opportunity which could lead to us being able to um, operate more full-time as a business. So at the moment we're mainly events-based and um, neither myself nor Najat is uh, running Food Without Borders full-time. We both have other jobs so it's kind of you know as and when we can do, we're can we able to do things but um, we're we're looking at an opportunity that may mean we take the plunge into kind of developing further as a business and i'm i'm being intentionally reluctant to give too many details because it's quite early days but if people follow us on social media and online and then we you know as soon as we have more information we'll we'll put we'll post it on there i think um because I've been lucky enough to work with refugee organisations and to work with people from those backgrounds for a little while, um, I feel like I've spent a lot of time trying to challenge the whole narrative around refugees and to you know break down the way of seeing a them and an us and um, also to actually not to be unnecessarily overly sympathetic in a patronising way. Obviously, I understand people come from a, a, good, a good place usually when they're um, sympathetic towards people's situations, but it's kind of about getting past even someone being from that background but recognising that because they're from that background they do obviously face um, unique challenges in integrating into the UK I think that's the way that I view working with people from those backgrounds. I, I think I try not to, I, I'm i not um, trained in kind of anything to do with uh, trauma or, you know, communications to do with that. So I kind of just try to meet people where they are here now in Bristol. Mm.
0: Okay. So what do you think needs to be changed about the way people see refugees?
1: Well, I, I don't know. It's, I feel like, most people I know are, are very um, recognised that people from different backgrounds actually enrich our city. And that actually, one of the reasons Bristol's so great is because it's a diverse city and there's, there's loads going on here and it's friendly and it's welcoming. So sometimes I feel like I'm in a bit of a bubble um, and I feel like everyone around me thinks refugees are welcome here. And, you know, we have a status as a city of sanctuary, and i think that's kind of making a mark saying yes like refugees are welcome here um but i think maybe like i mentioned earlier people's some people's attitudes are a bit skewed like we hear so many things in the media um about this huge crisis and you know an influx of people coming to the uk which just isn't true at all um but i think it's just about like it, you know upholding all human rights And not saying like, I don't know, it's about recognising people as people and humanising people, you know, and as individuals and not just seeing things as like crises. Um, I think that's hard to do because, you know, there's huge problems going on across the world and it's quite hard to like comprehend. But I think at the end of the day, we just need to treat everyone as individuals and the other thing, if I can just quickly say that I would change is um at the moment asylum seekers don't have the right to work, so someone could be um in the in the asylum seeking process for years i I met one guy who he's still waiting for the outcome of his application, and he's been in the u k for thirteen years, i think, so during this period of time, people are in complete limbo, they can't work they can't really they don't have the right to do anything but they're also not able to travel. So they're just kind of trapped. Um, and I've seen there's, a, there's quite a big movement at the moment, um, something called Lift the Ban, to try and advocate for asylum seekers to be able to work. And it's actually got, getting a lot of popular support and support from politicians. Um, and I think that's a really good thing. I think that can only be a good thing.
0: So what's this guy actually applying, when you say his application, is he applying to be a citizen?
1: Um, So it's not so much like people don't necessarily apply to be a citizen, like straight away. Um, At first, people have to apply um, for asylum. So they have to go through a process that proves like why they've come to the UK and why they need to seek asylum here. And then after that, the outcome could be one of several things. So someone could be the application could be rejected and that person has to go back home or leave the country. Um, or they could be given leave to remain. So leave to remain usually lasts for five years initially and then after that people can apply for British citizenship depending on their circumstances and things.
0: If you're trying to convince someone to give you a huge contract for Food Without Borders, something that could massively raise your profile, what meal would you give them to try and persuade them?
1: Hmm. That's a good question, actually, because one of our main selling points, I suppose, is that we do offer such a variety of different cuisines, and it's also um, we're not we're not about all the kind of embellishments and all the fuss. We offer like genuine sort of home cooked traditional meals um, at at good price, good value for money. So. That's so what do you um, mean
0: by embellishments?
1: Like, I don't know. I suppose I'm really passionate about the fact that food can be delicious without being pretentious. Um, so, you know, we we um, don't necessarily, you know, go um, over the top in ways that will end up costing our customers more money, if that makes sense.
0: Of course, yeah. <laughs>
1: But um for the meal I would I would choose to present I think I'm going to have to go for injera which is um an Ethiopian and Eritrean pancake and it's served like they're really large and they're served with like multiple different stews and accompaniments on them um so they're usually eaten in a way where you share them so you you know put a big pancake down on a sort of table in between you and your friends and it could have like a selection of stews on it chicken stew beef stew um vegetables okra pickled vegetables and it's just absolutely delicious like i'd never heard of it let alone eaten it before working with food like setting up food without borders and it's just it's so filling but it's in such a good like in a nourishing way like the pancake is um gluten free because it's made using teff flour so it has this kind of naturally, slightly sour taste to it, and um, it's spongy. and Oh, I don't know. it's just I just love yeah. it.
0: <laughs> cool. Um, so if people wanted to get involved and help out with Food With Borders, or just come and try some of your food, how would they do that?
1: At the moment, we are um, setting up our website. So the best way to follow us is on Facebook and Twitter. Um so if you just search Food Without Borders, you should be able to find us fairly easily. Um our handle is at Food Borders or at Food underscore Borders for Facebook and Twitter. So yeah, follow us online. Um if you don't use social media then you can always just get in touch via email um or just give me a call. <laughs> I'm always open to hearing from new people and you know, new ideas and new volunteers. Um We have, as I say, we've worked with quite a few uh, volunteers already for events and things. So um, once we set up our website, we'll kind of get together a bit of a mailing list and, you know, become slightly more structured in our communications with volunteers. But yeah, just follow us, um, follow us online. And if you have any particular ideas um, for collaborations or things that you think, you know, would work well together, if you want us to come to an event or, you know, we've worked with other groups in the past as well like Somali Kitchen and as I say we've been part of Food Connections and Bristol Refugee Festival so we're always open to working together with people
0: (laughs) um yeah thanks a lot for talking to me
1: thanks for having me